Well, um, I'm under a duvet at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> okay, always good. Yeah, it's always it's the it's the discount way of making a vocal recording booth. Um, yeah, which is good in the winter, but a lot worse this time of year. Hey, podcast fans, Andy Clark here with a new show. This time, I'm talking to somebody who's been in the Netherlands for just a few months. As you heard, he joined me from under his duvet. He's Steve Morgan, by day mild-mannered IT guy, by night and weekend stand-up comic, musician, writer and actor. As you can imagine, he's a shy and retiring guy. There are snippets from the first stand-up shows he's been performing here in the Netherlands in the podcast too. OK, enjoy. Steve, Stevie, Stevie Morgan! I would say you the best medicine they always say, we revoked your medical license. <laughs> My name is Stephen Morgan. I'm a British guy, or Welsh uh, specifically. I, um, I do comedy, I do music, I do writing. Um, none of those pay any money, though, so I work in IT in the daytime. Um, I have been living in the Netherlands for about five or six months now. I uh, moved here from Brisbane in Australia. Uh, I'm in my 30s, never like to confess which number exactly, because once you cross that 3-0, it all seems a little bit depressing. But uh, yeah. <laughs> It's a distant but, memory for some of us, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. So I don't mean to, uh, don't mean to offend <laughs> in any way. Oh, we're but, yeah, off to a good start. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. You sound 21, that's all I can say. But as we were talking, we were talking about food, yeah? Food, oh, yummy, food, yeah, we like food, yeah? Mmm, yeah, oh, I eat it every day or I die. Oh, yeah, I like that. But those boffins, yeah, the scientists, boffins, they said by now we'd be eating food in pill form. Yeah. What happened, Einstein? Yeah, what happened? Imagine all the time you'd save. None of the Instagram, no cooking, no washing up. I'm like, so my wife is a research scientist. Um, we met back when we were living in the UK through mutual friends. Uh, she was working at the University of Oxford then. Uh, and I was working in London. Uh, I'd lived there for about 10 years. A great city. Um, had a really good time. But the sort of place that can really burn you out um, because there's just so much going on constantly. And commuting is a genuine uh, sport which tires you out before you've even begun your day when you've got your face pressed against someone's armpit for about 30 to 40 minutes. So she finished her PhD there and we were looking at uh, somewhere else to go. We moved to Brisbane. She got a job there uh, working at uh, QIMR, working again in malaria research. She was working uh, in vaccinology for malaria. Um, and me as the uh, the token spouse kind of following around. But more specifically, um, thinking it was a great opportunity to explore in a new place. I mean, I'd always wanted to live abroad um, and, um, you know, just see what it's like in Australia, a place I'd never been before. And similarly, then in January, we ended up in uh, the Netherlands when she uh, got a job offer at uh, Radboud. And we've been here since. On your website, there's actually a picture of you, and you look a bit like Bruce Banner uh, as he's about to turn into the Incredible Hulk. You look uh, kind of uh, what's that, what's that about? 
Right, that's a yeah, transition period. Um, that was um, that was a photo actually from back when I was in a band. Uh, my my history, I suppose, is mostly music. I've been obsessed with music since being a teenager and have been making it most of my life as well. So I used to be in a band in London called Neon Highwire. Uh, we were moderately unsuccessful. And um, we were a three-piece. It was kind of like electronic rock sort of thing. Um, but we always had a sort of... We tried to make a... We had a big stage show sort of thing that we brought to our um, performances so as to make it like a really quite unique live experience. And um, yeah, one of that photo comes from a photo shoot we did with um, with Kate Melsom and AJ, two photographers in London, where essentially we just dressed up in suits, brought a load of face paints with us, and um, then walked around the city of London, um, traditionally a financial district, um, and uh, posed. came to the Netherlands from Australia then. Um, did you do much preparation before you came here? Much, much research on, on, uh, on the Netherlands? Well, finally, probably less than... Because um, when I worked in Australia, it was the first time of living abroad. So I had um, quite a lot of fear <laughs> of the unknown and not knowing what it would be like to be in another country. And... Um, yeah, that was that. You know, I then realized I'd way over prepared, and that you know, actually, everyone's just kind of going about their daily life, and it's more about just kind of getting to know things slowly. And that's the great thing about living somewhere. So I have to admit, I didn't know very much about the Netherlands before moving here. In a sort of you know, going from one extreme to the other type of mentality. So um, for me, it was more of the fact that I knew that um, if I was going to live in a country where uh, I didn't speak the first language, then this was probably like doing that on easy mode. Hey, man. It's your favorite type of egg to eat. It's your favorite kind of egg to eat. What to eat? Egg. Check this guy. What's your favourite kind of egg? Chicken egg, exactly. And one of the things you're doing here is, is the stand-up comedy, because you were doing stand-up comedy in, in the UK, I guess, and also in, in Australia. And what's that like uh, so far, performing stand-up comedy in the Netherlands? Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, actually, because um, one of the things which I hadn't really thought about until getting here is the fact that since I don't speak the first language, a lot of the audiences you'll perform to if you're just performing in English in the Netherlands will be made up of uh, expats um, because or people who uh, perhaps from all over will often only speak English or they'll be looking for something or they may be more fluent in English than they are in Dutch. So there's definitely this uh, kind of, you get like these audiences that are just from all over the place. So you can't make any assumptions on what someone's, say, uh, cultural background is or what sort of, uh, I don't know, oblique references that they'll understand. Um, I do notice that a lot of kind of uh, <laughs> jokes that go on about Dutch stereotypes seem to go down uh, well from other comedians, um, though, you know, I guess that's pretty much like low-hanging fruit um, when you're just finding the common thing which everyone does have, which is living in the Netherlands. But, uh, yeah, I'm still getting used to it. But uh, uh, apart from that, the only other thing is the, the whole, uh, the very um, uh, reserved reactions that you see. You might see someone who's incredibly funny uh, and the audience have got big smiles across their faces, but they don't have that kind of same Australian lack of restraint of, uh, you know, kind of really showing their appreciation with laughter. 
you know, even getting up on occasions. It all seems to be uh, internalized as if uh, it's not really coming out, but everyone seems, I think they're having a good time. I uh, can do impressions. Yeah. Oh, hey, son, that's amazing. I'm so proud of you. That's my dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's another one, actually. Um, oh, you've made my life immeasurably better. I just think that you're the best thing that could have happened to me. I was also my dad. Uh, I can only really do my dad. I've never met him. No, no, I'm just kidding, he's dead. <laughs> no, 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 he's not dead, he's alive, but he just disappointed with my life. Some of, because I also have uh, a background in improvised comedy, too. Um, one of the things that I do enjoy doing is kind of inter- a lot of audience interaction um, and, you know, even bringing people up on stage for particular bits that I do. And I've got to say, that stuff has just been on fire here. It's just, you know, it really does get the audiences going. They seem to love the fact that you, you feel like you've, uh, you've tailor-made something for their particular night and you've created something that, you know, they feel is like a one-of-a-kind special thing. And in a way it is, because obviously whoever you do pull up out of the audience may react differently to how someone else will. But um, yeah, that, that has been uh, my probably most acute observation is that all of the uh, audience interaction stuff really goes down well. You're listening to the Here in Holland podcast with me, Andy Clark, and I'm talking to Welshman Stephen Morgan. He's a stand-up comedian, musician and actor, and he's been in the Netherlands for just a few months. We'll hear what he thinks about his Dutch experience so far in just a minute. But if you're enjoying here in Holland, this is the advert bit, by the way, then maybe you'd like to become a patron of the show. For a few euros a month, you can choose yourself how much, you can become a sponsor, a patron. The more patrons, the more shows I'll be able to make. And hey, maybe even eat now and again. Who knows? Well, you know, it would be good. Just kidding, but it all does take time and effort to put together. So if it means anything to you, then give me some money please. A shout out to Melissa Kessel, by the way, who just signed up before this podcast. And you can also show your appreciation by spreading the word about Here in Holland. I'm in all the usual podcast places and on Spotify too, and in the new Google Podcast app, which has just been launched for Android. All right, let's get back to the man of many talents, Stephen Morgan. that um, essentially I don't fit in anywhere anymore. It's a strange experience when I go back to my hometown in Wales, in the UK. Um, but it's someone I know. Oh, hi, Steve. How's it going? I've seen you in ages. How's it going? Well, it's been, it's been a long time. Well, sorry, I thought you were someone else. And that's just my dad. And, and you had the Dutch people watch your show as well, and have you had any feedback from them? 
Well, uh, well, I haven't um, surveyed the people's uh, as far as the audience, so I do tend to ask people where they're from. But yeah, I've had a few. So some, you know, quite a few um, comedians, Dutch comedians, will perform in English as well to either uh, to have something else that they can do, or um, perhaps they will, you know, just to try something new or to have a different night that they can perform at. So um, yeah, there's quite a lot of Dutch comedians I've met um, as well who. Obviously, I can only understand when they perform in English, but um, yeah, it seems to be mostly positive from what I've heard. I mean, I guess the negative people maybe don't say things to my face, so I can understand that. I was actually talking to my dad uh, just before the show. Um, we were talking about junk mail um, and about those letterboxes that you see in people's houses. They have these little stickers on them saying, no junk mail, please. Now, call me Captain Controversial. Uh, but I don't think that they work. If anything, I think that they uh, belittle the craft of the junk mail creators, uh, perhaps even mildly antagonize them. And I think that most of these people who are making these things don't consider what they are sending to be junk mail, but informative information. In fact, if it was my job to send those letters to people, and I saw one of those little stickers on someone's mailbox, you know what I'd do? I'd set fire in the fucking house. <laughs> And then from, from the Dutch comedians you've met, have you been able to talk about, have you been able to discover any differences about Dutch uh, comedy and humour as opposed to, you know, British or Australian uh, stand-up? Yeah, well, the the big thing that uh, someone revealed to me is how um, how relatively fledgling stand-up comedy is as a, as a form here. Um, traditionally, I think there's been much more of a focus on cabaret, and maybe that's uh, something which um, extends to a lot of mainland Europe. But the difficulty I find um, whenever someone tells me that is that then I ask them what really is cabaret, and they always really sort of find it difficult to describe what it is. Um, and so I've got this thing in my head where I'm like, okay, so it's not stand-up, it's cabaret. Um, I'm not actually sure what that is. I get the impression it's perhaps it doesn't just involve, say, someone with a microphone telling gags or jokes or wordplay or things like that. It'll be perhaps uh, incorporating a lot more different forms of performance as well. Um, but again, it's to me, I'm like I looked it up as a cabaret. So it's like so you have people are eating dinner while they watch them perform. I'm like, well. And then someone says, well, yes, but they don't have to be eating dinner. So the one single thing I could grab onto, not even that was true. Let me ask you about your experiences as, as an international here then. Have you, have you come across you know, real-life sort of comedic moments when you've been finding your way around in the Netherlands, any kind of lost-in-translation moments or moments where you think, oh, my God, what the hell is going on now? Oh, yeah. I, th- I think yeah the the the, the most um, the one I'm finding most difficult right now with the language is is particularly commuting on trains because the majority of the time it's completely fine because you know where you're going you know your journey you've got your nine two nine two it's it's got such up to the date uh, information that even the people in the stations are just saying checking nine two nine two themselves but the problem happens when you're on a train and suddenly there's an announcement. And it's the driver, you know, it's not one of those pre-recorded announcements and someone's saying something and it's coming over there. And you're just looking around and you're just trying to read people's faces to tell, is this important? Or is this something like, please make sure you take your litter with you when you leave the train or something like that. So when you reach that point where you actually see 
everyone start to look really distraught you think oh god something's happened i'm gonna have to ask someone what has happened or something like this which is fine if you've got lots of people in the carriage uh but not so fine if you find out that the the carriage that you're in has actually um going to be left behind in the station that you're in and that the rest of the train is left without you and you weren't paying attention you were the last one there um which has happened to me in arnhem uh on my way to amsterdam yeah so yeah (laughs) so basically i was thinking oh well this train's taken a while to leave the station eventually a ticket uh inspector came on saw me burst out laughing started speaking to me in dutch i said i don't understand what you're saying sorry and he said uh this is this train's not going anywhere (laughs) which one yeah yeah, the trains are definitely kind of tripping me up uh, on that. But with everything else, I mean, the the whole Google Translate thing is just, it just made me, it's blowing my mind how good it is in so many circumstances and how easy it makes things um, and how difficult it must have been just a few years ago when you didn't have that sort of technology to be able to translate just, you know, letters from the council or, or letters from, uh, yeah, from any sort of institution which are usually quite important and you really need to understand what they say. A couple of years ago, I was talking to my careers counsellor at school. Uh, I said, what should I do with my life? And as he, you know, spouted some nonsense, uh, I wasn't really listening. I just sat there thinking, this careers counsellor, I mean, this is a person who, when he was a similar age to me, sat down with another careers counsellor and listened to the shit that they were spewing and thought to himself, that's what I want to do. I mean, that's a tremendous lack of ambition right there. It's like going to a restaurant and ordering nothing but bread rolls for every course because it's the first thing on the menu. People talk about Dutch directness. It's one of those things, stereotype, and uh, also has some truth to it as well. Have you had any kind of frank and forthright feedback from from Dutch people about your appearance or the way you were eating your lunch or, or your comedy or anything else? Uh, actually, it's funny you mentioned that when he said appearance, particularly that uh, that one has come up a few times. Like um, jokes about, uh, say, just the fact that I wear t-shirts a lot, which to me is kind of just the norm. I'd, I'd never thought of that as being a thing, but I, I do find that the uh, average Dutch person seems to be a bit better dressed than, say, your average British or Australian person. And so, by wearing t-shirts all the time, there was just this comment that was kind of made when I was wearing a shirt one day, which I didn't even think of as a particular thing. It was still a casual shirt, but it was just all these words are just kind of like, oh my God, you're dressing up, what are you doing? And I'm just... I'm just like, I was taken back. I just thought it's just just a shirt. It's just a it's a casual shirt. It's not not like it's got cufflinks or something. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, the, it's not so much the the fact that the comment was made. It's just the fact that it was said uh, because it had been thought of, and everyone else laughed in a way that evidently it was so universally thought of that yeah, it was just like yeah, there's the scruffy British guy. So. Uh I've much to the meeting with my work colleagues, I actually am starting to really enjoy the whole cycling. Um, you know, they're usually like, uh, we'll go and scream and then we get wet. Uh, or, uh, oh, I'm going to my cars when you open. And if people want to check you out doing your comedy, um, where, where can people catch, uh, catch up with you doing your stand up in the next uh, few months? 
Yeah, well, I mean, the the place where I make sure is is up to date because um, you know we're we're not always perfect at our admin. Is uh, is my Facebook page, uh, which is facebook.com stroke Stephen Morgan Hero, um, where I will any events that I'm uh, doing uh, will be listed there on the events page. Um, this Stephen Morgan Wales, which is my website. I'm on Instagram with ma zero sm uh, and Twitter is Flavardit. But um, it's not particularly interesting content. But you know, I, I try. <laughs> and why is the Facebook page called Hero? Is that just your modest uh, kind of? You know? <laughs> well, Stephen Morgan was taken, and I know that a lot of the other comedians will do things like Stephen Morgan comedy or Stephen Morgan, I don't know, lol or whatever. Um, but I kind of thought when I was signing it up, I'm like, this this is a permanent thing. This is my permanent username. What if I? What if I go on and do something completely different? And what if I'm not involved in comedy anymore? What if I'm a newsreader and that, you know, just left turn in life suddenly happens and the comedy thing is just there and it's just like an albatross. But so, yeah, I just went with Hero because I figured no matter what life choice you have, that Hero is a good thing and it's an appropriate thing. So, uh, yeah... Oh, 15 minutes. Thank you, I'm Stephen Morgan. Good night. Many thanks go to Stephen Morgan for joining the podcast this time. Check out his website, stephenmorgan.wales, Wales as in the country, not the animal, and of course his heroic Facebook page. The podcast also featured fragments from his band Neon Highwire. Well, hope you enjoyed this one. There are loads more in the archive. Subscribe if you haven't already and you'll get the lot. And spread the word. It's all much appreciated. And if you really feel like helping a poor, downtrodden podcaster fighting against injustice and raging to make the world a better place against incredible odds and who is even considering bank robbery as a means to make ends meet, like in La Casa de Papo, then join me, partisans. By clicking the link in the show notes and becoming a patron, you'll be striking a blow for justice and becoming part of a merry band, shaking a fist at the world. Well, at least you'll be helping me out a bit. For the price of a cup of coffee each month, you can help build the Here in Holland empire. So, brothers, sisters, join me. Click on the link in the show notes and become a patron. Do it now. Don't wait. Do it today. Until next time, from me, Andy Clark, thanks for everything.